0: Once upon a time in the early 20th century, a renowned archaeologist named Dr. Alexander Grant embarked on a daring expedition to uncover the secrets hidden within the tomb of a lost, unknown pharaoh. Driven by a thirst of knowledge and insatiable curiosity, he assembled a team of experts and ventured into the heart of the Valley of the Kings. Their excavation progressed steadily, unearthing treasures and artifacts that revealed the magnificence of ancient Egypt. However, as they approached the entrance to the unknown Pharaoh's tomb, an eerie sensation gripped the team. Unexplained whispers echoed through the desert winds and shadows seemed to dance along the walls of the ancient burial ground. Ignoring the signs, Dr. Grant and his team passed on, unsealing the tomb's entrance. As they entered the dimly lit chamber, they were greeted by the sight of glittering riches and the lingering scent of ancient rituals. They began their meticulous examination. But soon, strange occurrences began to plague the team. Some claimed to hear distant cries. Others swore they saw fleeing figures. As days turned into weeks, the atmosphere grew increasingly oppressive. The once energetic team members became plagued by inexplicable fatigue, relentless headaches and unsettling nightmares. Whispers among the locals spoke of the curse of the Pharaoh, a warning that grave robbers and intruders would suffer a terrible fate. Dr. Grant, haunted by guilt, questioned his own actions. In the depths of his despair, Dr. Grant made a fateful decision he resolved to restore the sanctity of the unknown Pharaoh's tomb. They returned the treasures to their rightful places, seeking forgiveness from the ancient unknown Pharaoh. As the last artifact was carefully arranged, a sudden calm washed over the team. Free from the grip of the curse, They carried with them a profound respect for the power and mystery of the ancient world, forever changed by their encounter with the unknown pharaoh's tomb. The story of Dr. Grant and the curse of the pharaoh serves as a chilling reminder that some mysteries are better left undisturbed. And the wrath of the past can haunt those who dare to trespass on the sacred grounds of civilization. We wanted to start off with King Tut's tomb, because that's kind of how the curse of the pharaoh popularized basically
1: yeah i would say king tut is probably the most popular egyptian pharaoh because primarily his tomb it was the only egyptian tomb that was found completely untouched because like when you would croak right the egyptians will go into this one a little bit but they'd throw a bunch of gold and stuff with the body Mm -hmm. so all like the you know plebeians would go you know break in yeah but not king tut until
0: 1920 something Grave rob them Tutankhamun, also known as King Tut, was an Egyptian pharaoh of the 18th dynasty who ascended to the throne at a very young age, around 9 or 10 years old.
1: Can you imagine just being like the leader?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this was in the 14th century BCE, and he ruled Egypt for a relatively short period of time from approximately 1332 BCE to 1323 BCE because he unexpectedly died at an age of around 18 or 19 years old. So he got like about. 10 years in
1: those are a good 10 years though pretty formative mm-hmm.
0: and he was buried in the valley of the kings it was at least the burial ground for many pharaohs in the new kingdom and was near modern day luxor so if you're familiar with egyptian geography there you go that's where, modern, a map, baby. that's where it is modern day <laughs> i'm like i love when they say that it's like modern day blah 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 blah, blah. like a city well it's maybe like, they want to go that? there true all right <laughs> Alexa, buy me a ticket to Luxor right now. Now, his designated tomb was numbered KV62. Now, I did not know that they numbered them. At least I didn't know that they numbered them for pharaohs.
1: Well, there's a whole idea that King uh-huh. Tut's tomb wasn't actually for him.
0: Yes, it wasn't. It was actually intended for someone else because of its modest size.
1: Pharaohs would be balling in the afterlife. Yeah, and
0: King Tut had a relatively small one compared to the pharaohs. That's also a topic that people question and theorize on and have like little conspiracy Jersey's like, why was King Tut okay with that? Was he okay with that? Was that just, did that happen on purpose? Did that happen on accident? Was it a way to conceal where he really was?
1: Well, I think that's a good way to not get broken into. Yeah. It's like, oh, no one's going to break into the shitty small house on the street.
0: After King Tut died, as well as all of the pharaohs, came the burial process. Now, the burial process was very important in ancient Egypt because they believed in an afterlife, where the deceased would continue their existence in a realm that, similar to the earthly one. So they wanted to prepare for this next, you know, life. The rituals and preparations aim to ensure a smooth transition and provide the deceased with everything that they would need in the afterlife. So let's get into the burial process. And I know you might want to skip this, but you shouldn't because it's actually kind of important. I feel like I I wish I paid more attention to ancient Egypt burial or just anything ancient Egypt in like middle school. That's one like the last yeah, time. Yeah, why did they teach that
1: in middle school? Yeah, I like, think that should be like a college topic.
0: Yeah. So if you forgot, like us, if you didn't pay attention, the burial process involved several stages and rituals aimed at ensuring the deceased's successful journey into the afterlife. The process began with mummification, which aimed to preserve the body for the afterlife. It involved the removal of organs, except for the heart, which was believed to be the seat of the soul. So all the other organs gone. Put in what? A jar. Jars. (laughs) And the body was treated with natron, a type of salt, to dehydrate and preserve it. The body was then wrapped in linen bandages. It was
1: basically packed like a pig with salt. Mm. They'd slice you down the middle, pack you like a pig. Or a pickle jar. Maybe they didn't slice you down the middle, actually. I actually remember seeing a diagram of how they did it. It was very interesting.
0: Mm.
1: It was very science-based.
0: So then comes the opening of the mouth ceremony which is a ritual performed by priests oh my god that sounds so wrong <laughs> they when jam. priests open mouths stop <laughs> priests restore the senses and abilities of the deceased in the afterlife so they would touch specific parts of the mummy with ceremonial tools while reciting prayers and they thought that this would restore the senses and abilities and they would take them with them to the next level.
1: Something interesting is that the Catholic priest has actually begun the opening of the mouth ceremony. <laughs> no. uh, they picked it up from the ancient Egypts. Okay. Yeah. Egyptians.
0: You can't blame me. It was the Egyptians. What, what do you mean? I'm just following history. Come on. They did it. Oh, my God. The coffin and funerary mask is when the mummified body was placed in a series of coffins, each nested within one another. So this is a fortress in here. There's coffin within coffin within coffin. It's like one of those Russian tomb. dolls
1: of dead body in yes. the middle. It's not like candy in the middle. It's a the dead body. <laughs> yes.
0: So the innermost coffin, though, would be made of a precious material such as gold if you like a fatty.
1: Fu- it'd be a funerary mask. placed on the actual mummy Mm -hmm. and it was like three-dimensional it was like a darth vader helmet i'm wearing one what's up queens i look good in my funerary mask (laughs) vogue
0: okay it was usually gold or painted wood and was placed over the mummy's head often no king tuts
1: was solid fucking gold
0: Yeah, his was, but if you were, you know, maybe a little bit less than King type, maybe you would have a hand-painted one. You couldn't afford like a solid gold one. There's some freaky shit. And the burial chambers were filled with other funerary equipment and items that were believed to be necessary in the afterlife. These included things like furniture, chariots, statues, food offerings, clothing, jewelry, and even pets or servants represented as figurines, and not King Tut, but I've heard that others were like buried with their animals.
1: So they would uh, have animals that were mummified and then wrapped, you know, hmm. and at the Field Museum in Chicago, they actually have a whole display of different mummified animals.
0: Wow. I want to be mummified with all of my pets.
1: Uh, Sure.
0: That would make me feel so good. <laughs> I mean, not mummified, whatever. <laughs> Bring tombs back, everybody. As you can imagine, tomb construction was a big thing. In the Valley of the Kings, they constructed elaborate tombs such as pyramids or rock-cut tombs. And the tombs often featured multiple chambers, corridors, and intricate wall decorations, depicting scenes from religious texts, rituals, and the deceased's life. I feel as if most of the pharaohs had so, there was so much more work put into that than like the normal American's home. <laughs> the average american right like it's a tomb well, that's they don't what even it was live like there when you
1: had a bunch of slaves <laughs> and also when you believe no, in the well so oftentimes when as a pharaoh you'd spend like a majority of your pharaohship like creating your own tomb but tutankhamun was so young no one expected him to fall off a chariot Whoa. break his leg and croak so it's like he probably hadn't even started his, his death so house. do you think the
0: ancient do you think the ancient egyptians were happy in Fuck general yeah
1: they had beer because they, they had sailing okay, okay. <laughs> and but they had because women. they
0: thought so much of the after like they knew they were gonna die so much like they just constantly thought of it i think that they just like lived this life to their fullest you know yeah i think so i well, feel like go. being an egyptian <gasps>
1: i feel like there's probably two scales of being an egyptian either either it was fucking baller or, <laughs> or it sucked ass and yeah, it's like true. there's no in between
0: yeah kind of like america just kidding
1: stay woke bitch stay
0: woke anyway (laughs) next comes the opening of the mouth ritual i thought oh the second opening of the mouth ritual (laughs) didn't finish at the first one
1: another Uh, (laughs) another religious ceremony adopted by the catholic church
0: yes and it was performed at the tomb entrance where a priest would touch the mummy's mouth with a special tool to restore the ability to speak and eat in the afterlife so they're closing up the tomb kind of thing ish he's leaving the tomb the priest and then he's doing that because he's already restored other bodily functions. And now he's like, okay, now you can speak and eat. I feel like, like, it's, a... I feel
1: like it's
0: a... <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> we're going to get cursed by King Tut. Regular rituals and offerings were also conducted at the tomb to sustain the deceased's spirit. Relatives, priests, and servants would bring food, drink, and other offerings believed that the offering's essence nourished the spirit of the deceased. Oh my god, the servants would bring food and drink? The drinks like they're piss and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Have some food and drink, bitch. King Tut, remember when you made me? I don't know, lick your your foot. Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) lick your
0: foot. Eat this. (laughs) Drink this. (laughs) How can you expect a servant to properly take? Oh wait, maybe they believe in the afterlife so much. I think no. I think uh, it was more
1: of a respect culture back in the day.
0: Even if you're a servant and you see the un, uh, yeah, a servant's
1: probably balling in ancient Egypt. They're living oh. in the palace.
0: You just said how bad it was, like a minute no, ago. No, but I think. Oh, slave and servant is like,
1: different. Yeah, I think. Oh, call me ignorant, but I feel like there were people that like you know dressed King Tut and stuff, and probably like.
0: Oh, I see, I see, I see. But still, I would be like, "Fuck you." Anyway. <laughs>
1: oh, fuck you, bitch! <laughs> For
0: everyone watching, do not hire me as a. Not everyone an hates assistant. their boss. Oh. Then the tomb was sealed and inscriptions and prayers were written on the walls to protect the deceased and guide them through the journey to the afterlife.
1: Yeah, and a lot of chapters of the Book of Death, which is like an Egyptian thing, pretty metal, Mm -hmm. pretty Marilyn Manson, like 10,000 years before Marilyn Manson.
0: Over time, King Tut's tomb was forgotten as subsequent pharaohs and their tombs took prominence.
1: You could say his tomb was a King Tut in the wind.
0: Ooh, just a fart in the wind. (laughs) <laughs> no one cared anymore. King
1: Tut in the way. But
0: then, in November of 1922, the tomb of King Tut was rediscovered by British archaeologist Howard Carter. Howard had financial backing from some guy named Lord Carnavon. He wasn't a carnivore, actually, probably was. But is this. Sp- That's
1: not how you say it.
0: Carnavaron? Carnarvon.
1: No, let me read it.
0: Carvana. This episode is sponsored by Garvana. Lord Carnarvon. His discovery of the nearly intact tomb and its treasures caused a worldwide craze, and it still remains one of the most significant archaeological discoveries of the 20th century.
1: It was accidentally discovered by an Egyptian boy.
0: The artifacts found in King Tut's tomb provided more insight into the art, religion, and daily life of ancient Egypt that we were all waiting for. This was like the Rosetta Stone of tombs
1: of ancient Egypt. True. So like for... Big grave enthusiast like Kayla, you know, this was a big deal.
0: Mm -hmm, Because the tomb itself was mostly intact, unlike many others that had been looted and damaged over the centuries. Pillaged. This discovery attracted worldwide attention and sparked immense public interest in ancient Egypt. Over the course of several years, Carter and his team meticulously excavated and cataloged the treasures within the tomb.
1: It's crazy that they were able to like meticulously do this in the 20s. I feel like things were so razzmatazz back then
0: i know like they had an x-ray and i was like yeah what? and like Has to be honest
1: x-ray? they snapped some pics it's like picture didn't happen so they snapped some pics i didn't
0: even know they had a as camera. they opened it
1: that. and it's like dude they junked this place up it was mm-hmm. like fucking hoarders <laughs> buried alive king tut edition buried That's dead
0: funny. After they found King Tut's tomb and his remains, scientists actually had some debate on the cause of death of King Tut. Now, the initial examination of his mummy revealed a fracture at the base of his skull, leading to speculation that he may have died from a blow to the head. So someone, like his servant, was like, I'm sick of this life. But Or it no. wasn't the priest. It wasn't. the Yeah, maybe. <laughs> How after more. <laughs>
1: was a, after a post, the open mouth. Po- no, it was. A post death. It was. Blow to the head.
0: Yeah, that's after more analysis, they discovered that the fracture occurred after he died, which was most likely during the mummification process. Oh
1: no, it was during the open mouth ceremony.
0: Or they like dropped him. They're just like, okay, oh, let's move him in three, two, one. And then Whoop. they just like, smack, crash, snack, crapple, pop, Rice Krispies. So based on various scientific
1: examinations,
0: including CT scans and DNA analysis, the most common theory is that King Tut died unexpectedly, possibly due to complications from a leg fracture combined with severe infection. Some note he may have had a genetic disorder or other health problems as his remains show evidence of physical ailments such as a cleft palate and a club foot. It's crazy that they can figure that out from a mummification.
1: Well, that's really a testament to how well the priests freaking stuffed their bodies with salt.
0: Mummification?
1: 64. Do so I watch this whole History Channel documentary? Probably way too long, and they basically concluded he fell off a chariot.
0: The story of King Tut's tomb and his untimely death continues to captivate the world, showcasing the marvels of ancient Egyptian civilization and providing insight into the life of a young pharaoh that was notable. This brings us to the curse of the pharaoh, though, okay? As the curse of the pharaoh is most famously associated with King Tut's tomb, that's kind of how the curse. Began. The, the curse of the pharaoh is an alleged curse or a legend that anyone who disturbs the resting place of the pharaohs will get a supernatural curse that brings misfortune, illness, or even death. Especially so if the belongings or the bodies are removed or tampered with or whatever. Some believe the legend of the curse serves as a protective mechanism put in place by the ancient Egyptians to safeguard their tombs from theft and desecration. So that would make sense, you know, like if I'm someone that's dying... And I'm, I would be put a warning, like, don't touch me, bitch.
1: Yeah, well, that was actually on the door of a lot of these tombs. Mm-hmm. And they were fortified. These were like huge stone doors. I mean, they were
0: buried in three separate, like, chambers. They were
1: chambers. Things, well, they, they were like a bunch of different chambers with all stone doors. And then inside the chambers, there's like a Russian doll with a dead body in it.
0: Yep. This alleged curse or legend was brought to people's attention when they opened up our good old friend King Tut's tomb. Now, since Lord Carnarvon financially funded the expedition to find King Tut's tomb, it said that this is why something dark Happened to him. He had been bitten by a mosquito, which I did not know mosquitoes were there. I guess they had to have been where
1: mosquitoes have been everywhere.
0: Mosquitoes have been around. Have you like seen you
1: Jurassic, Jurassic Park? No. Where it's that's what Alexander Grant's from, by the way. Oh, uh, it's like they extract DNA oh, from a yeah. mosquito. Oh no, not I the mean, last one. I mean, that's not one. possible. Not the most
0: recent one you're talking about, where the, all those bugs.
1: Oh, that was a stupid movie. I
0: know that was. He had been bitten by a mosquito and later slashed the bite accidentally while shaving. <laughs> how do you do that you idiot
1: with like straight razors oh, they're pretty metal back in the day
0: <laughs> i'm like using like a nice little like soapy girly razor I'm, like, it's a like hot
1: thing dude the women's razors are better than the men's hot take
0: really i heard that it's the opposite that the men's are cheaper marketing thinks that women will spend more on beauty and stuff so they like, make them more Well, my mom has fancy. these
1: women's disposable razors that are very good
0: it became infected and that resulted in blood poisoning and then the death of Lord whatever the heck in 1923, which was less than a year after they opened the tomb and he funded it. What a shame. Coincidence? I think not, because two weeks before he died, Marie Corelli wrote an imaginative letter that was published in the New York World magazine, in which she quoted an obscure book that confidently asserted that, quote, dire punishment would follow any intrusion into a sealed tomb. So, of course, a media frenzy followed this. It was like, oh, my God, this guy died. He financially backed it. This is crazy. There's a curse. And as a result, the superstitious Benito Mussolini, who had once accepted an Egyptian mummy as a gift. Also, like, who <laughs> gives that as a gift? I you mean, go, like, Thank you. Pawn, I guess, like, what do you get yeah. Mussolini when he has everything so besides <laughs> mummies? You get him a fucking mummy. He's like, I could take anything that I want. Besides.
1: I wonder if he made it into a Sir coffee table.
0: <laughs> okay, he ordered its immediate removal from the Palazzo Chigi. I don't know if that's what it's called. <laughs> I I don't know much about Mussolini besides that he sucked. And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is the creator of Sherlock Holmes, who is also a spiritualist, so shout out to him. Okay, if you like Sherlock Holmes and you're not a spiritualist slash supernatural baddie, who even are you? He suggested that the Lord's death had been caused by, quote, elementals created by King Tut's priests to guard the royal tomb. And this further fueled the media interest.
1: Honestly, I believe it. Mm -hmm. Like, if I came across a tomb, I'm like, all right, you guys can go and I'll watch.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, like, you don't touch that. Arthur Wagle reported that six weeks before the Lord's death, he had watched the Earl laughing and joking as he entered the king's tomb and said to a nearby reporter, who was H.V. Morton, I give him six weeks to live. Whoa. Damn. And the first autopsy carried out on the body of King Tut by Dr. Derry found a healed lesion on the left cheek. But as the Lord had been buried, I keep calling him the Lord, but as... Lord, Lord Carnarvon. Can- But as Lord Carnarvon had been buried six months previously, it was not possible to determine if the location of the wound on the king corresponded with that fatal mosquito bite.
1: Damn. Because he was
0: shaving. So it was like, was it the same area on the left cheek? Probably. Not? And then in 1925, the anthropologist Henry Field visited the tomb and recalled the kindness and friendliness of Carter. He also reported how a paperweight given to Carter's friend, Sir Bruce Ingram, was composed of a mummified hand with its <laughs> wrists adorned with a scarab bracelet marked with, quote, Cursed be he who moves my body. To him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. Soon after receiving the gift, Ingram's house burned down. Followed by flood when it was rebuilt. <laughs> Came the fire and water, baby. Oh.
1: <laughs> we have a paperweight that's a wrist. I
0: know, honestly. Why? What is the point of a paperweight? Like, why are the papers flying everywhere?
1: Because you have a window open. Because you don't have air conditioning. But
0: like, is the breeze that breezy? Really? I feel like well, paperweights are just an excuse to, to make King something toots. else for rich people. <laughs> King toots. <laughs> like, how much paper could one have?
1: Back in the day, man, they didn't care about the trees. True, sure, they didn't have a. We're laptop, actually a so paper. Can... We're a paper-free podcast.
0: Wow! Look at all wow, we're so t- as our like neon light is like
1: mm-hmm. yeah, with oh, neon the, gas. The smoke
0: like emitting like fumes into the ozone. <laughs> anyway, this is a environmentally safe fog machine. I'm I promise. It's just a dead frog burning in there. <gasps> There's a mosquito. Oh my god! It's Lord King King Tut. I mean, fuck. I don't want to fucking get the curse. The curse? I can get the curse. George J. Gould I, who was an American financier, visited the tomb shortly after its discovery. He fell ill and died in May of 1923 due to complications from pneumonia, but people also linked his death to the alleged curse. Prince Ali, Ali Ali, Ali, Bob Watner, excuse kidding. Prince (laughs) Ali Kamel Fami Bey. Prince Ali Kamel (laughs) Fami Bey, eh. an Egyptian prince, was rumored to have received a gift from Lord Carnarvon that originated from King Tut's tomb. He was later shot dead by his wife in, of course, again 1923 under mysterious circumstances. (laughs) Sir Archibald Douglas Reed, who was the radiologist who examined King Tut's mummy before they it went off to like a museum or whatever, reportedly developed a mysterious illness and died in 1924. His death has been associated with the curse, but there is limited concrete evidence to support this claim obviously you can't (laughs) pinpoint evidence anyway the theory is that he examined the body and just three days later died after the x-ray Jeez! but people say that maybe it was the radiation that did it because obviously x-rays back in 1923 were not very uh safe to do um so whatever i don't know king tut or not baby it wasn't just king tut's tomb that has been said to have a curse if touched this is the curse of the pharaoh. This is not just the curse of King Tut. Now, the tomb of Amenhotep.
1: Amenhotep.
0: Amenhotep II, also located in the Valley of the Kings, was noted to have a curse as well as the tomb of Horemheb. And his tomb is located in the Valley of the Kings as well. Everyone out here in the Valley of the Kings, if you're in the Valley of the Kings, where the heck you are? Oh, my <laughs> God. Follow me on Instagram because I'm going to post a photo and the location is going to be Valley of the Kings. Yeah. The tomb of someone named Anktifi contains the warning, quote, any ruler who shall do evil or wickedness to this coffin may Hemen, which means a local deity, not accept any goods he offers and may his heir not inherit. So it was like a warning, like don't freaking touch this coffin because those who do get something bad. And the tomb of Kentike had an inscription, quote, as for all men who shall enter this My tomb, impure, there will be judgment. An end shall be made for him. I shall seize his neck like a bird. I shall cast the fear of myself into him. Curses after the Old Kingdom era are less common, though more severe for some reason, sometimes invoking the ire of Thoth or the destruction of Sechmet. Zahi Hawass quotes an example of a curse quote, cursed be those who disturb the rest of a pharaoh. They that shall break the seal of this tomb shall meet death by a disease that no doctor can diagnose. The deaths of other Egyptologists over time, as well as archaeologists who worked in the Valley of the Kings or had connections to ancient Egyptian tombs in general, have experienced some unfortunate circumstances or met premature ends, which is kind of adds to this curse of the pharaohs theory. Modern archaeologists take precautions during excavations following meticulous procedures to protect the integrity of the sites and the safety of the team members. Advanced techniques in archaeology and scientific analysis have significantly contributed to our understanding of ancient Egypt without substantiating the existence of a supernatural curse. Whoa. So, modern accounts. In 1699, Louis Penescher wrote an account in which he recorded how a Polish traveler bought two mummies in Alexandria (sighs) and embarked on a sea journey with (laughs) the mummies (laughs) in the cargo hold. And the traveler was alarmed by recurring visions of two specters in the stormy seas did not abate until the mummies were thrown overboard.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) And And the sharks were probably like,
0: schmutz (laughs) Oh Pierogi. I don't know and mm, mommy Zahi- pierogies Zahi Hawass recalled that as a young archaeologist excavating at Kom Abu Billo he had to transport several <laughs> artifacts from the Greco-Roman site his cousin died on that day his uncle died on its first anniversary of that date and on the third anniversary his aunt died the second one his fish i made that up all right that was funny though
1: you should really be a scholar with your pronunciations
0: years later when he excavated the tombs of the builders of the pyramids at giza he encountered the curse quote all people who enter this tomb who will make evil against this tomb and destroy it may the crocodile be against them in water and snakes against them on land may the hippopotamus be against them in water the scorpion on land
1: what's funny about hippopotamuses Whoa.
0: they're they ram you they kill you. no they just kill more They're people thin. than like
1: anything else oh yeah true
0: though not superstitious Hawas <laughs> decided not to disturb the mummies. i
1: bet mojo jojo wants to participate in the mouth ceremony I like them big. or Modo dodo I you, like you them know who chunky. i'm talking about yes but he wants to participate in the mojo mouth ceremony dodo.
0: yes I, like him, bitch.
1: I bet he'd cause a head fracture.
0: Oh Jesus! Though not superstitious, Hawass decided not to disturb the mummies. However, he later was involved in the removal of two child mummies. Why are such a bitch? bitch. From Bahariya Oasis to a museum, and reported he was haunted by the children in his dreams. Please. The phenomena did not stop until the mummy of the father was reunited with the children in the museum. Oh, cute. He concluded that the mummy should not be displayed, though it was a lesser evil than allowing the general public into the tombs. Hawass also recorded an incident of a sick young boy who loved ancient Egypt and was subject to a, quote, miracle cure in the Egyptian museum when he looked into the eyes of the mummy of King Ahmos First. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, if you want more ancient Egypt episodes on curses and pharaohs and history and ancient civilizations, make sure to comment and subscribe to this channel because we post every single week. Yeah,
1: let us know if you like this. I feel like there's a little bit of a different style. Very informative. Yeah. But, you know, it had a little paranormal twisty-turby.
0: Twisty. Anyways, thank you guys so much for watching and we'll see you guys next time here Owie! on Collagen Combos. Bye.